Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Yeah, water's great. Um, well, doesn't matter. Does matter. I think bottled, tap's better. Bottled, no. Bottle tastes better. No, it's got fluoride in the uh, in the tap water. So that's better or worse? No, that's terrible. Fluoride's bad, but what about the bottle? Stuff? What about the bottle? Oh, there you go. You're See? right. No, you're right on that. The plastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, you I'm see, trying to be eco, you know. I don't know what's better. I know it's confusing times, Craig. <laughs> We're living in confusing Dude, times. The, uh, the utmost confusing. The up, uh, yeah. I mean, every day brings a new hell. There's a song. Uh, how you been? Good. Good. Pretty good. Yeah. What yeah. are you doing? Working on music, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. painting, you know, trying you to get by lot? like a character in one of your songs. <laughs> Have you been in town mostly? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I have. I let's see, I've been working with Peter Buck too. All right, in we, Seattle or uh, in Portland, we made a new album. Cool, yeah, new Arthur Buck. Cool, cool, yeah. What about you? What about I just, I've been the whole city's been doing some shows, and I just got back from a little run. I'm going to Europe with the Uptown, my band, the Uptown Controllers, the solo band, a couple of weeks. And I then love I'll, the solo album, thank you, and the whole yeah. steady album, both albums. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I'm really busy, but busy's good, you know? You're so good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I guess what that's you, what you want, right? Yeah, you want life to chase you. Well, this one guy said to me one time, if you're ever, like, running through an airport, that means someone wants you on the other side. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, even if it's some other version of you on the other yeah. side that wants you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> you're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, have you heard from Craig lately? I did hear from him um, a cu- like a month or so ago, and he said he was getting sober. Yeah, I heard something about I have not talked to him. I heard something to that effect. Yeah. So he was good. It, like the, you know, the text, it was a text. I think we texted back and forth. And he yeah, was, I think he might have gone in to yeah, something. Gone in, yeah. I Which can't is remember. good. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know he was struggling, I mean, more than usual. Right. Well, I haven't seen him much since he moved back to Minneapolis, but that can be a place that you can kind of... Get lost? Yeah. What place can't be a place? Right, but I don't know, man. For the people who... For those of us who grew up there, I feel like it's a a particular type of darkness, you know? Oh, yeah? Or it's coldness, I guess. Yeah. Why do you think that? I think... uh, I just think it's the dark. I think it's the gray. It's the... Um, the cold, it's the indoors, it's the lack of sunshine for a long period of the years, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, that's what I, that, you know. And, uh, and kind of a culture built around drinking. Yeah. You know? Is I mean, that right? That's like maybe, a, maybe that's always been, I mean, maybe that's everywhere. That seems like it's here too, right? I mean, yeah. but, you know. Um, New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a little less party drinking. A little yeah. less up, like, New Orleans seems like fun yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, you it know. does seem like it. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of, because uh, I'm from Ohio, and the guy in your song, the friend with the death wish, moved back to Ohio. <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. How come Ohio? 
Oh, I don't I, know. I took personal offense to that. I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lived in Ohio as a young man for a little bit. You, you in did? Cleveland, yeah. Yeah? Uh, in the, but I was really young, like, you know, three and four. Uh-huh. So, um, but I, I, I think uh, Ohio, I don't know, Ohio's been in the news a lot lately since the last election. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a kind of a, and I think the Rust Belt in general has been, mm-hmm. you know, with, with both the economy and sort of the Trump swing kind of state thing, but also the yeah. opiate crisis hit right. hard there. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Ohio is a place that maybe was on my mind. Yeah. I, I can't even tell you what part of Ohio he went back to. So maybe yeah. it's hopefully not a, Akron. A state of mind. Yeah, it is a state of mind. <laughs> but it's so similar to Minneapolis, yeah. I think, except without like yeah, even the rock. There's rock and roll. There's you know obviously Minneapolis is. Akron has a huge rock and roll, you know. I mean, yeah. from the James Gang to Devo to uh, Black Keys. Black Keys, obviously. Same high school as me. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, I have good friends in Akron. I just was hanging out with them this weekend. So. I have good friends in Akron. I just can't remember any of their names. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you go back to Minneapolis? Oh, I'd say just three, a- three times. I mean, you know, it's probably like two shows and a Christmas visit. Or, you know, that's probably usually about average for a year. Yeah, where you, do you play there? Last time I played the Fine Line in um, downtown Minneapolis. You know, I, I love playing First Avenue when that works. Yeah. Done a lot of outdoor. You know, the Hold Steady does a lot of the outdoor beer. Right. Uh, thing like yeah. that, you know, the big, the big summer thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, First Avenue is always the, the room you want to play. Like, right. that's, that's the one you're kind of like, can we do First Avenue this time? I know. Um, but you can't always do it, right? So Yeah. I like 7th Street Entry, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, have you ever played there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I played there. Um, in fact, the last time Hold Steady went back in October, we hadn't played there in a while. Mm-hmm. We did a big outdoor Surly Beer Fest, and then um, I wanted to do the, the one thing, the Hold Steady, somehow, we because... We skipped the entry. We never, we never played the entry. Somehow, in all the shows we played there, we never played the entry. So I was like, we got to kind of check that box, right? right? So we did, we did the next, we did played on a Saturday night, and then Sunday we did um, two shows in the entry, a double header, nice. and that was kind of like how the shows were when I was growing up, a four o'clock all ages, for for you know the, the applicable stuff, the punk and hardcore stuff, four o'clock all ages, nine o'clock drunk show right so we did that and that yeah. was uh that was a lot of fun that was you kind of a throwback you played four o'clock four o'clock yeah doors yeah. at four doors at nine i think that's fun yeah it was really fun it was um i not we just did i think djs for openers so there wasn't like moving the gear you know yeah. so it was pretty easy that's cool yeah you're yeah man i love your new album the Thank solo you. one it's like the it's uh-huh. kind of I don't know, man. You're kind of in your own lane, really, in terms of songwriting, uh, storytelling, songwriting. Every, you know, everyone always says you're a storyteller, so I don't want to say the same thing everyone <laughs> else already says. But, like, I don't know, man. It's pretty cool. Thank you. I mean, this yeah. record has been, I felt like, you know, I made three records with sort of the same people, and this one, it just feels like you further distill it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, just the process of making it with the same people. The first one I made with these guys, Joe Russo and Josh Kaufman, you know, we're just getting to know each other. But, you know, the third one, you're like, hey, man, that actually sucks. Don't do that. And, right. like, no offense is taken, you know? Yeah. You, so you can kind of move um, right. artistically, have, like, a shorthand and also a communication that, that, that works and is yeah fruitful, you know? The production's really good on it. That's Josh Kaufman, who's really helped me a lot, both in songs and producing the records. He's a very special guy to me. And, uh, you know, we get it. I show him the songs early, and he tells me what he likes and doesn't like, and 
sometimes I push back, but I usually he's usually pretty right. Yeah. And uh, and and you know we've got somewhere cool. And I I think the nice thing you know obviously I'm in a big rock and roll band with the whole steady, but with the solo thing, making a record with just a small group of people, just Joe, who plays drums and percussion, and Josh who plays pretty much everything else. Yeah. Um, you know if the song say doesn't need a bass. Yeah, you, you don't, don't have to have weird conversations about it. You yeah. just don't put it on. Right. When Doves Cry doesn't have a bass. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> you're like, wait, this song sounds done. You know, yeah. you don't, and you don't have to keep hands busy. Right. Um, so that's really nice about the, the solo thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's got like, I don't know, hints of like Leonard Cohen with the background vocals. Yeah. You know, and, that like, is... and Dylan, too, I think like. All by design. I mean, the, the Leonard Cohen background vocals. I think those women are named the Webb Sisters. You know, mm-hmm. I think they sang with. I they sang on Tom Petty. Some. Uh, these aren't the people on the record. I'm just saying they're they're these women that the Webb Sisters, and I think they're they're the Leonard Cohen's backup singers. I think they also sang on um, Tom Petty. Don't come around here no more. Oh, some right. of his. And we talked about how cool they sang, they sound on like those Leonard Cohen records, and yeah. they were probably we didn't really look into it, but they were most likely out of our price range. Yeah. But um, we we got um, two very very talented vocalists, and we kind of you know at least an approach tried to mirror that some of the call and response, but also putting them on one mic rather than two different mics. Oh really? Yeah, putting them on the same mic was kind of cool. So they sort of self-regulated their uh-huh. their vocals together, and I think that you can kind of that you, you feel that yeah i guess so yeah so when i think about it yeah, yeah it's cool it it that was a, that's a real i think hallmark of this record versus the first two right because they weren't on the first two annie nero one of the singers is on it but cassandra wasn't and they you know they weren't singing in that same style um yeah. that, that sort of back and forth call and response thing how you got you got so many great lines and stuff like how do you uh what what what's your writing process like i mean do you carry a notebook around with you like how yeah do you, how do you do it i carry my notebook but i also more and more as the years go on rely on the notes function of my phone you know right um yeah i've gotten better with with the phone thing if there's something particularly funny or a line i like i'll write it my phone but um I also just, I try to keep a schedule and write and then edit, you know, like uh-huh. write something, understand that it might not be good yeah, and then come back to it and say, you know, how can I make this good? Right. What's, th- what's the one good thing about this right now? You know, and what, you know, if I keep one line, yeah, then let's build on it there, you know? And, um, you write every day, not every day. I mean, I sort of go in periods where I write every day. Um, mm-hmm like writing, you know, in a writing period, but I try to do something every day creatively. I, I, I think like it's either writing or sort of taking something in like reading, you mm-hmm. know, or watching a film or going to a museum, you know, something that's that you're considering things yeah. in a creative way. Do yeah. you do, I mean, do you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I do like, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm always kind of pushing towards something. You know, you know what I mean? There's no relaxed period. <laughs> right, right. I've never been relaxed. No, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, does the painting does the painting inform the music? Yeah, I guess so. It it it, it enables the music, mm-hmm. you know? It like uh Yeah, I don't know. They they're just they're just both activities. 
Right. <laughs> you know, and then the writing, it's like, uh, you know, now I'm getting ready to go tour and I got a new album coming out uh, October and uh, getting ready to tour for the first time solo. So I'm mm -hmm. just really concentrating on learning how to do that again. So then, so in that way, I'm not writing as much because I'm like more just getting ready to perform. How about when you tour? Do you can you write on the road? Yeah, can you? Good yeah. for you. Yeah, because once I'm like in that mode, then I'm just sort of like, you know. But the songs pile up so much that then it almost like sort of dissuades me from writing more because I feel like I have too many already. It's like when you have a big pile of books next to your bed. Yeah, and you're like, and you can't says, read anything. Someone says, I got a great book, and you're like, I, I don't need it. Right. You know? But I think that's a bad... I don't think that's good. I think because I should... Like, well, listening to your stuff, I'm just like, man, I got to try harder. Well, <laughs> you know? Um, like, you're inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. I am... Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I used to be able to write better on the road. And now I can only just get scraps, you know, really? and then I have to come home and arrange them, yeah. you know, but at least there's something, Yeah. Um, you know, but I, it, it feels like, I don't know, I guess, yeah, I, I, it feels like there's, there's a, like, I fight an ability to concentrate more as I get older. Like I have, I find it harder to concentrate, which I think is probably not what most people find. Well, I feel like that's the human condition right now. I think we're all having a harder time concentrating, and it's by design. Well, the technology it's is the certainly... the fluoride in the water, dude. <laughs> it could be. It could be the plastic <laughs> bottles, though. <laughs> it could be plastic <laughs> bottles. But, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it, these are weird times. And I think that's even, you know, I, I kind of want to get at the point that you're kind of an outlier even more so in these times. And, like, what do you think, like... Do you think there's new songwriters that are, that noise went away, I don't know what just mm -hmm. happened, but do you think there are new songwriters that are doing the, like from that sort of, um, you know, place of like the Dylan, Lou Reed, Leonard Cohen, like story, like story. Le heavily lyric based, like, you know, excellent lyrics. Yeah, I mean. You know the, what I mean? The one guy who put out a record, I think it was last year, that struck me as, very much that is is Damien Gerardo from mm -hmm. he's from the West Coast somewhere. I don't yeah. know him, but um, I know who he that, is. That's a really cool. His last record was very, very much that, and really hit a tone of, of kind of a loneliness and and, and people out there searching and in a storyteller way uh -huh. that I thought was really moving. Um, What's that record called? Do you remember? It's something like The Horizon Just Laughed. That's probably not right, but if you. Yeah. Some of those words are in there. Yeah. And uh, that it's got a very cool, um, I, I feel like a very Western Western vibe. Um, you know, that that's one I can think of. There there must be more. I can't say I'm always on top of, of new stuff. Um, right. I try to be, but, you know, and then it's also like going to the record store. You can't remember what you're looking for, you know? Right. Um, but I think, like, the, you know, to me it's like, like the stories... Um, I, I think like, the, you know, as far in, in regards to this times we're living in, I think one of the things that's happened since like 2016 or even 2015, well, really what happened in, in when I made, you know, cause these last three records I made, I consider kind of a trilogy. Mm -hmm. And what happened before that was my mother passed away oh, and, so sorry. and it was the, thank you. But it was, you know, and, and it was, I went back 
uh, she had cancer and I went back and I, you know, I sat with her and, um, I was, I luckily had the time and she passed and it was, you know, obviously extremely sad. Um, but there, there was moments of it that were very human and very beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? Um, no, we had a good relationship. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't like any bad things to reconcile or anything. It was, it was, That's good. it was pure and nice. So, but when I got back, um, I was here and I was kind of, you know, sliding into some grief and anxiety. It was kind of this thing where like, I wasn't getting anything done. You know, I was like, uh, um, you know, I did my laundry today. Like, right. like as if that's an accomplishment. Sometimes you know? it is though. Yeah. Yeah. Some days it is. Some and, days it is. But I was definitely in the time where that wasn't an accomplishment for a day. So, right. but I was talking to a buddy of mine and his mom had passed, um, a few years before and he talked about how he was. He'd be on like the train or, you know, crowded train or something, something that you're usually kind of annoyed about. Right. You know, and he'd find actually a lot of empathy and, and love for the people around him. Yeah. In his grief, in that, you know, all everyone around me is going to suffer. Yeah. Everyone is going to hurt. And, you know, this is going to happen to everyone. And I, I've heard from people who have children that they feel the same, can feel the same way after having a child, especially for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I think. You know, and then to get out of my grief, I just started going, punching the clock, writing songs. And I didn't, right. I didn't even know what I was writing. But eventually those turned into the first record, Faith in the Future, and then I made these two more kind of quickly. But I, I think the, the thing that connects all these um, records are is, is a kind of an increased sense of empathy right. that I felt. And, um, and it's hard. For humanity. Yeah, and, and thinking about how many people out there, you know, in the whole steady so many of the songs are about people just making terrible decisions belligerently following them mm-hmm. to their logical conclusion yeah the to alcohol the, yeah to the point where you're kind of like well, I don't feel that sorry for you right. you know where but this is a more I think I turned a corner and became a much more empathetic person mm-hmm. and wanted to write more about people who are trying to do the right thing but mm-hmm. still having a hard time keeping their head above water yeah. you know uh, economically spiritually emotionally whatever it may be yeah. Well, yeah. With the title title track, the you know guy having a heart, there's electricity. Yeah. Getting turned off and taking a shower in the dark and stuff like that. It's just. Yeah. I think it's brilliant, you know, man. It really is. Thank you. There's a scene in that that I really relate to, and uh, about you know he walks up to the mall and right. You know when you go on tour, especially if you're in a bus, <laughs> you yeah. sometimes find yourself walking where no one's walking, mm-hmm. and I feel like that is just this like most. American alienation feeling of yeah. like when you're walking on a frontage road and like dudes get mad at you yeah. just for walking. Like some guy will be like, asshole. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm just trying to get to that diner so right. I can have breakfast. Yeah, but you shouldn't be walking there. Yeah, but like you're for not. Some yeah, for some reason you're not allowed to walk, <laughs> you know, even though there's like a spot for you to walk. Like it, 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 it angers people that you yeah. don't have a car, you know? I'm angry just hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, bad. Yeah, it's like also like that in that in that song too the whole uh you know so many like empty storefronts yeah i mean that's the retail thing like it's yeah. um a friend of mine uh photographs dead malls and right like, oh i think i've seen uh, one of them's from ohio rolling anchors is in, yeah. in that thing yeah her name i used to go there when i was a kid her, it was she's close. from akron yeah and her name is jessica Anschutz. um she uh has, has done a lot of and so yeah and and the thing is, is like i'm always like oh, they let you in there but then i realize 
these malls, a lot of them are open. They just have like 10% occupancy, you know? Right. Um, and if you go back to the malls of your youth, wherever you're from, I oh. think that's what you find. That's just Amazon, right? That's just retail, you know, being decimated. But look, we see it in New York, too. How many empty storefronts on the street do you Even see? Even in the East Village, man. Yeah. There's like half blocks that it, are like completely empty. It's yeah. It's crazy. Because if you aren't like a high-end restaurant, if you don't sell like food and alcohol, there, there's nothing you can sell to make your rent here, it seems like. Yeah. Um, it's a weird thing. I mean, even being an artist is so weird because you just got to live on faith. <laughs> like somebody's going to like the latest thing that you're doing enough to give you money for it. Yeah, you have to go. I mean, that's it's the thing. Like, you, 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 you just work and you say like some the calls will come in mm -hmm. and interesting things will happen and I'll go do it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. and if you have like a period where the calls aren't coming in, it gets a little heady. Yeah, it gets scary. It gets scary. It gets scary, and luckily it's been... Uh, but I think that that's why just keeping ultimately super busy is is what you can do to... Yeah, that's why when you say, like, I am busy, I'm running through an airport, that's yeah, that's good. Yeah, running through an airport means that you've got work yeah. you're trying to get to. Yeah. When did you start writing songs, and what was your first inspiration? Um, I got into music when I was a kid, you know, um... At first, it was like you know stuff like Kiss and yeah. Um, Which one did you want to be? I wanted to be Paul. I, I wanted to be Gene. Oh really? I still want to be Paul, man. I kind of want to <laughs> be Paul now too. <laughs> I'm changing. I feel like the adult. The adult. We you, if you've ever, if you have never uh, listened to or re read Paul Stanley's autobiography, Face the Music, it is very good. Really? I highly recommend it, and I even more recommend listening to it on audio because he reads it. Oh, really? And um, he's a very positive guy. Yeah. He um he, he paints too. He did paints. You, did absolutely. you see his latest yeah. one, Star Child? Yeah, he just end did of the road. He just did a Jimmy Page one that's really good. I saw the Jimmy Page one yeah. too. He's rad. He and all he like cooks <laughs> all these like gourmet meals for his family. Loves his family. Has right. a really nice, really nice life and like. He seen you know, and he never got strung out, you know, like, right. like so. His book is a little different than most rock guys' book, mm -hmm. but it was he wasn't satisfied either. He had some, he had a uh, facial deformity, an ear yeah, thing that his um, ear was messed up. Yeah, when he was young, and you know that kind of propelled him to create this fantasy world that he wanted to go in and, and thus kiss. And I, you know, he's a really good, <coughs> seemingly a good guy. In fact, uh, my my band that I play with when I'm solo, Uptown Controllers, we uh we had a Halloween show. <laughs> And we, we, you know, we all decided we, we didn't want to be Kiss. We all wanted to be Paul Stanley. So we created a, a band, All Paul. and uh, That's funny. And uh, Paul saw it and, like, retweeted it, which was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty excited about that. I really like I him. I saw a photo of it. <laughs> it was great. I bet he likes your stuff. Uh, he's, he's I mean, yeah, so he's cool. But so uh, Kiss obviously was only a, a, a gateway drug, so right. to speak. And then. Uh, and then I got into rock, you know, but like what really, when I started to go see things growing up in Minneapolis, like replacements and Husker Du, you know, right. being able to see bands up close, you yeah. know, that were pretty kick-ass. Yeah, very kick-ass. Um, like that was really exciting to me. Like, like yeah. almost immediately it was like, wow, I don't know if I can go back to the arena, you know, right. um, for a concert because yeah. now you're in the 7th Street entry and you yeah. can see them plug in, you know, tune up and plug in. And Did you see Husker do like that? Uh-huh. And they're You got a Bob Mould thing, too, yeah. in a way. I didn't even really ever think that until just now. Huge influence. Yeah. Huge influence. I huh? love Candy Apple Grey yeah. and, and, you know, Zen Arcade and all yeah. that. Yeah. And, and Grant, too. Grant. And, yeah. And, you know, all those, uh, both songwriters. So I, that was a big deal. And so I, when I got a guitar, um, you know, I was junior high, 
I wanted to write songs and I, I wrote songs and I had like a, a cover band in high school, but I was kind of sneaking in some songs I wrote, but I wasn't singing yet cause I didn't know the, the guts, you the know? Guts, yeah. So, but I'd, I'd write some of those songs. And then, uh, and then when in college, I, I went to college in Boston. I kept writing songs, and I started to write some songs that I kind of thought were. There's one I can say that I, I still think is a good song, right. and I still play it sometimes. Yeah. Um, so What's that's that like, one called? It's called Mission Viejo. Okay. And uh, my old my first band out of college, Lifter Puller, played that one. Uh-huh. But I wrote it in my dorm room, and uh, and that's um, that was about a guy like you know that a. Uh, uh, who you go to school with and he goes back to California and this is before Facebook, you know, uh-huh. and, or anything. And he just never comes back. And, and that, that, I feel like back before the internet, people could disappear. People disappeared on you and in, in yeah. everyone's life. You're like, there was the guy we saw him on the last day of fifth grade and then sixth grade. He wasn't there. Right. And I don't know. You just <laughs> yeah. said like, like that big question mark. And there's yeah. these mysteries of your life. Like, hope that guy's doing good. He was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I, I always, I was trying to tap into that. Right on. So then, so that was in Boston, and then, then what happened? I moved back to Minneapolis and did a um, band called Lifter Puller, which was um, pretty cool. Um, It never got. It it did pretty well in Minneapolis eventually, um, but not so much outside of town. Like we didn't have like, we weren't really that pro. We didn't have like a booking. We go on tour. We in fact we'd play a. Played a lot here at Brownies. Brownies, yeah. yeah. Um, and but you know we didn't have a book agent. We didn't have a real uh, label until our last record, and we, um, you know, it was a struggle. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was it was a, you know, it was pretty wild. Like it was, and uh, we made some good music. Um, and then after that ended was about was two thousand, and that's when I moved here. And uh, I took a few years off, and then Tad from Hold Steady was actually in Lifter Puller. He played bass in Lifter Puller. But he moved out here in, I guess, 03. Mm-hmm. And I was like, by that point, I was kind of bored, and I wanted to be in a band again. And um, What were you doing outside of a band? Were you working a job? Or? Yeah, I was working a job. I was working at a, club, a place called Digital Club Network, DCN.com. It was kind of like that first internet boom, you know, uh-huh. where a lot of people were working in that thing. And, you, could, you know, I came out here, and I could have a job, you know. I, I knew someone who gave me a job, and I was kind of... It was an internet thing that was like webcasting shows from all these different clubs, including here at Brownies. Oh, and, uh, interesting. And uh, it was the technology was not that advanced yet. It kind of looked like you're watching a band on a security camera. Right. But um, that's what we were doing. And, and the idea, I think, was that it would grow, you know, technology yeah. wise. But I think that, you know, you ran out of. I mean, it was. It just felt like. Uh, that first round, at least to me, uh, felt like suddenly someone asked, wait, how's this going to make money? Right. And no one had any answers and everyone yeah. got laid off. But that was that, that first era of the internet thing. But by 03, I had the band. And then, um, you know, I think 05, um, we put out our first record, Almost Killed Me, The Hold Steady. And 2004 and 05, we put out Separation Sunday, which did really well. And that sort of kicked it. That's pretty much when I went pro, so to speak. You know, Right on. What'd you study in Boston? I did communications. I was really kind of a medium student, you know. I was kind of there for the, for the because I was supposed to be and right. you know drinking beer and wearing sweatshirts and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, yeah. talking to girls if I could, you know, what like kind of sweatshirts. Uh, gray usually, gray. yeah, <laughs> mainly gray, logoed. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I was, I was, it was a. I went to Boston College, which was I, I met a lot of nice people. It's a fairly conservative campus. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I had a few, a couple of friends that were into music, but I'd also like, 
when I first got there, I was still kind of into hardcore, and I'd go down to these uh, hardcore shows by myself, you know, and it, the difference between a Boston hardcore show and a Minneapolis hardcore show was way more violent in Boston, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of freaked me out, and I started to, I think that may have kind of pushed me towards just, like, listening to different types of music, because yeah. uh, it, it, I knew I wasn't going to be hold, holding my own in that world. Right, you know, you're so not, you're not hard enough. I don't think I'm hard enough. You know, yeah. I, I didn't even aspire to be. I, but it was yeah. like, wow, this is really one step up. And but you were into that scene. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like you know, punk rock, uh, and and music in general. But that was one kind of music I liked. You know, what was it about that kind of music that intrigued you? You know, I never liked. I liked it. I liked because there was anger there, and it's kind of. I never really liked metal. Right. for fast music because it never it always seemed to i don't know considered to be angry or something i liked like when when really sloppy hardcore like just a pure expression of like you know eyes rolling back in your head and shrieking and uh and you know kind of scare a little bit scary you know things like like black flag or um negative approach things like that were really not well thought out but it's just kind of blasts of mm -hmm. of expression oh, emotion yeah that was it's exciting to watch there was also a sense of with hardcore most people were pretty young so it was kind of like you know the bands were it was kind of for kids by kids mm -hmm. so if you're 16 like maybe the guy in the hardcore band's 19 where the guy in you know the metal band is 36 yeah exactly <laughs> or whatever band there was you know right um, but yeah, I don't know that, that, that was, uh, I, I still, there's, there's still, I still like the idea of hardcore. Um, uh, but you know, um, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't pursue it <laughs> at this yeah. point. Yeah. Don't you have Kirk Hammett in a lyric? Yeah. In yeah. a, in the new Holt Steady in song, we talk Steady, about yeah. Kirk Hammett. Kirk and, uh, Hammett makes an appearance. <laughs> Metallica. Shout out Kirk Hammett. <laughs> yeah. He likes I saw um, uh, I saw a uh, thing on on Twitter today that was a uh, James Hetfield from Metallica was um, kind of doing a a shout out to um, Eddie Money. Oh, uh, that's who cool. I, I guess they were friends. I like Eddie Money. Me too. And uh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some really good songs. Yeah, I think so. Undeniable, great singer. Shaking. Yeah, shaking. Fucking uh, great. I think I'm in love too. Mm -hmm. Like with it, but uh, I think I'm in love. <laughs> I, I, Hetfield, I in the Twitter, in the Twitter thing, he signed off with his nickname, I guess, which he calls himself Papa Het. Papa uh, Het. Yeah, which I thought was a pretty, uh, I don't know. Disturbing. Not metal thing to do. <laughs> I Disturbing. think it's Papa Hat's strange nickname, man. Like, I wouldn't choose that myself. He's new to Instagram, and he has that <laughs> handle. Yeah. Papa Hat. I need to follow him. Yeah, I mean, Hat means, yeah. you know, I think Hetro. You know, Papa Hat. Papa Hat. Metallica now, it's Metallica family. It's all very domesticated. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess since that movie we saw, we got a little look behind the scenes. Yeah. What do you think of that movie? I thought. <laughs> It was great, you know? I mean... Classic. Can, can you believe they let they did that, you know, and that they released it and everything? I think I think when I first saw yeah. it, when I first saw it, I was like, they, they released that? They're idiots. <coughs> and now yeah. I'm much older, and I yeah. think, what a Genius. ballsy move. Yeah, and the other thing I thought was like, what the fuck? They're wasting so much money on this shrink. Mm -hmm. Like, it just was like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, how much money is just, like, burning away? That's what I kept thinking about. And then, at the very end, 
they have that one concert which just like and you're like oh there's all the money back yeah it all, like it just <laughs> doesn't fucking matter at all like yeah it's like yeah. you know what i mean i mean like, the whole thing like like and just but it, it's interesting about being in a band because of being a rock band like you know not Bill Haley on the Comets, Buddy, Buddy Holly on the Crickets, but the Beatles. Being a four-piece rock band, five-piece rock band, whatever uh-huh. it is, there's there's a lack of a hierarchy, um, kind of. In, in, I mean, I think that if like a you know management consultant came in and studied the the you know the structure of a rock band, he'd be like, this is probably the worst business idea I've ever seen because. It, there's there's you there's there's no leader but there is a leader but you can't be you know what i mean like but you can't say yeah it. you can't say it so there's like these and you can see it in that movie there's these simmering you know aggressions yeah. and whatnot like the part where he's like you know who wants to write some lyrics and everyone's just scrawling away like finally i get to write the lyrics you know right. and and it feels like jesus christ like one of like i write the lyrics right you know right. and um the part where they say that they don't want Kirk to play guitar solos. At least he dealt with it directly. He just said, I think that's the terrible idea. Mm-hmm. I, but, I happen to agree. I mean, <laughs> I like guitar solos in a Metallica song. I, I mean, no, I, I think it's a ridiculous concept that they wouldn't have guitar solos. But that's where it was, I think, you know, culturally back then. That was like yeah. post-grunge, maybe, you know. Guitar solos aren't cool yeah. anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we saw that on a of early Hold Steady tour and I will say that like when the Hold Steady started people were like you guys have guitar solos yeah. so I think right at that time guitar solos might have not have been at their, their peak at know? their peak yeah so you, what are you saying about there's no hierarchy though like what do you mean by that I think that like a rock band generally isn't it, people think uh, there's a pressure to function in a pure democracy mm-hmm. that doesn't, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist or isn't real and isn't if very least is not a very efficient way to go about business, you know? Right. And and it, I, I think that that can be um harder for bands like Metallica or anyone as they get older, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're not living in the same house, mm-hmm. you know, you can't like what you might be if you're 20, mm-hmm. you know, you can say if you're 20 and you're living in the same house, you say, I made a flyer for the show Friday night. You guys like it? I like it. I like it. You should put the date and open the corner. Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, we're done. We we made the flyer. Right. But if you're if you're living, you know, in in four different cities, and it's like we're making mm-hmm. a poster for this tour, and one guy's not emailing back, mm-hmm. and one guy and you the know, lawyer and the manager's yeah, on the email chain. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. and all of a sudden it's like nothing's getting done, you know. So yeah. I think that that's probably what that Metallica movie was somewhat about. Yeah. It's interesting. But did you? So you guys took like five years off, right? We took a couple years off. No, it wasn't. It wasn't five. five, It was like two, probably. Mm -hmm. When all was said and done, and that was very good. I mean, was that like a we might split up vibe, or was that just let's take a break? Let's take a break. Let's not. There was nothing. There was kind of nothing. We got to the point in the record cycle where like it was over, and it was like you want to like like no one was ready to kind of like crank crank it up again. So just sort of. There was nothing, you know, nothingness. And then, uh, you know, after about a year and a half, two years, w- Boys and Girls, our record turned, uh, our biggest record turned 10. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, oh, we should do something for that. That'd be fun, you know. And uh, and the, Franz, our piano player, had left in um, 2010 or 9. Came back. And then he came, yeah. So we, when that came, he came back. And then 
um, that became, so now we're a six piece. Um, Steve, who kind of replaced Franz, is still in it. So we became sort of the super steady at that point. And, uh, and that, uh, that worked out like honestly way better than I thought it was going to. What two keyboards or? Oh no no no! Steve plays guitar. So oh, okay. So we, we we didn't have a keyboard. We we kind of replaced him with a guitar. I got you. Um, but then they came, we came back as a six piece and it sounded great and the vibe was great and you know we've been doing it since. So, um, but but a very different type of schedule. Um, with the whole steady we're doing weekends, just like three you know at least three shows in every spot. Um, so we'll go, you know, uh, we do four at the Brooklyn Bowl in December. Um, so you camp out for a second. Yeah. That's nice. And then we do three, and we'll do three in London in March. And then, and then we've just completed what, and we'll do it again next summer, what we call constructive summer, which is four, four different weekends. So this year we did Seattle, Chicago, Nashville, Boston, three in each, although four in Boston. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. People come in, um, you know, a lot of people travel for them. We play wildly different sets each night, and a lot of people go to multiple shows. It really kind of highlights the community that's around the band. Mm. And people have a blast. And, uh, and, you know, we make merch differently for each weekend. You know, there's Chicago merch, there's Seattle merch, whatever. That's and cool. it really has rejuvenated us, and I think it's a model that a lot of bands should think about because, you know, it's like... It makes sense, and it's more fun. It's a, you can oh, hang out in the town. Ex and you see your friends. You have a mm -hmm. lot better chance of eating healthy, you know? I mean, if you're, you know, because I'm mainly going to bigger cities, it's mm -hmm. not like, oh, I got to, I got to, I'm starving. I got to eat whatever I can in the next 30 seconds, you know? Right. Um, and then, you know, I also think there's a thing of like, our fan base has gotten a little older, and a lot of them are, are guys that, you know, and women that are um, employed and with children, et cetera. And it's like, all right, well, I can roll into your town. On a Monday night, we'll go on stage at 10:30 if you want that, or I can give you six months heads up, and we can all meet in Chicago for a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, mm -hmm. and you know get your friends together, and we're going to do this. And I think Plan B works better in that case. Yeah, people make a trip out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, and it's been really, it's been really successful and, and really joyous, and I think it's uh, taken a lot of the you know the grind out of it and and really uh, highlighted the the good parts and we can be you know sound check for instance is like music you know it's yeah. not setting up or figuring out if it's anything already works. set up so you can get together and jam for yeah. sound check i mean in boston Rehear boston oh, we let's rehearse this song yeah for this show you know exactly like we played yeah. a song in boston that we hadn't played since 2007 mm -hmm. and like the fans love that you know yeah. like wow you know so it's like what, what, what can we do that makes this crazy tonight you, do you know? record the shows when you do that yeah yeah that's a good idea too do you sell them right there at the gig no no but we're kind of working you know we've been kind of putting them out here and there kind of working on a plan to do something with you the could live sell stuff. them straight away after just get some cd burners i used to do that i used to carry around cd burners and shit like that who's a cd player these days though I don't oh know. that's true though people do them on usb flash mm -hmm. drives now yeah okay Yes. Yeah, we could just put them up on Bandcamp too, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you guys uh, do Bandcamp. Yeah, right? we we do. We'll do like put them up on Bandcamp and then um we have like a charity thing that we, you know, try to when we do stuff like that, like please try to make a donation. What's Bandcamp? Bandcamp is just a way to like put out music yeah. like SoundCloud. Yeah, exactly. Is it the same thing but just a different company or is it I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, but it's the same. It feels roughly the same, doesn't it? Like I'm gonna call my manager and be like, "We need to get on Bandcamp, dude." I mean, I think it's like just an easy interface and mm -hmm. it works, you know. That's cool. 
Yeah, if you guys recorded the shows, I bet you people would love that. I mean, and sold them live right then. It's uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, you know, I feel like it's a little bit of the. I joke that we're kind of it's the jam bandification of the old steady, but yeah. it is. I mean, it's nothing it's like and nothing wrong with it, and it's 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 um it's a very much a live music oriented thing, and uh, and it and it you know it is doing you know we don't jam per per se as much as you know someone like the Grateful Dead, but we do have a catalog right now that's over a hundred songs, so we can really pull out some surprising. You know, do you ever do solo stuff with the whole study, or probably not? Right? No, no, no. I, I keep you it pretty a, separate. You got enough. I've got enough, and actually, like <clears throat> this band I've got with the um, on the solo side, the Uptown Controllers now is really developed into a, a really special band and um, really cool, and maybe like can be a little looser and a little, um, you know, I, I think a little more like uh, things like you know things like. Uh, the Van Morrison's band is, is, is a, you know, something we look to or NRBQ is another band. I think the uptown controllers Funny. really look at, you know, like, yeah. like kind of a sort of um, South, There's like a Southern band. Yeah. Right? Like a soulful kind of, you know, like, uh, yeah. but something that kind of is a little light on its feet. Yeah. Well, I saw Van Morrison. I was tripping out that he had that one singer background singer dude that was like <laughs> his, like his, guy. his light shadow or something <laughs> singing, singing with him. It was so wild. He's in a lot of cool bands over the years. Like the, the, you can go into a YouTube hole with him and be like, "Wow!" Really? Yeah, I mean, he's got. There were times in the '70s we had like, you know, twelve people on stage with him, thirteen, yeah. you know. Interesting. And and sometimes it looked pretty chaotic. Yeah. Um, fascinating guy. You know. Uh, yeah, very. Uh, yeah, I used to. I knew his tour manager used to manage me for a second. Oh, really? Long time ago. Yeah, he told me some funky stories. About being on the road, like getting called in the middle of the night, being yeah. like, "We got to change hotels right now" because he didn't like the curtains or something like that, and it was like three a.m. Yeah. Shit I, like that. Do you ever, <laughs> like, do you ever like, wonder, like, because <laughs> that's so far from where I'm at in my head? Like, how do people get to there? I don't know, but like, yeah, me too. I'm not anywhere near there. But I then again. I kind of can't afford to be <laughs> right. You know, I can't, like, you know, so it's like, I don't think I would ever be there anyway, but yeah. But I've heard stories and known people that do stuff like that, that are a lot closer to me, uh, in, in stature or whatever, uh, uh, and they clout act. and then then they are van morrison you know and, and they do shit like that there are people yeah i mean i think i mean i think there's can be like i'm not gonna ask you to name no, names. no i don't yeah. know and, and also these are secondhand but stories but right like i think it can be a mental health thing you know um and i think that that's a you know that's obviously a thing that on the road can get, exasperate get wild <laughs> yeah well it it's uh you know the funny thing i people don't really realize like being on tour is so exhausting and and even like the pressure of it like i'm feeling the pressure of it and it hasn't even started yet like there's a lot of pressure and then exhaustion and then constant movement and then you're like being interviewed so you're kind of being captured at your most frayed and fragile and chaotic you yeah. know and so like you can lose it you know, so I think like the, these are ways of maybe people like get comfort by controlling a situation or. Yeah, there there was a we made a like a film in uh, 2007 about the whole steady. And it was like when things were taking off. So like the, the label wanted to film a lot of stuff and they made a, a film called um, it was like a live a live thing called a. Uh, 
uh, Positive Rage. And uh, th- we showed it in London in March, and I don't think most of us had seen it. I'd seen it, but not everyone had seen it. But so I made, this was your Metallica Yeah, film. so we went to the theater and, and watched it. And for one, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It wasn't like a sh- cringing. Right. But um, there was a scene that I saw, and I, we were like getting ready for sound check, and I had a, <clears throat> a big glass of whiskey. Yeah. And I was like, that would not be me now. But right. I was like, oh, wow. Like, that was three in the afternoon. Right. And um, it kind of gave me the chills. Like, yeah. Like, that, that, why would, whoa. Why that, would I do that? Why would I do that? And what was that show like at 10 p.m. that night? You right. You know, if I started drinking whiskey at three. Right. Um, and I don't remember it being particularly bad, but I, I, I just, that's not, I wouldn't, I mean, I would have a whiskey maybe around nine now, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. if, 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 if. If I did, but that's just something that was. But I, you know, one thing that do you, do you, you feel? I, I think you're saying what I, what I feel is that anxiety before the tour is very common, right? I'm having it. Yeah, I'm dealing with it. Uh-huh. I'm like not as like level as I had been like a m- couple months ago. I think it's really already. I think more and more I have. I almost feel like it's like. When I get on the roller coaster, it's okay. Yeah. But the, before the tour, it's like you're just trying to like control as many things as you can, and it's a freak out. And uh, I found, you know, I thought it was really sad. Um, David Berman uh, from you're uh, very sad. Yeah, when he passed, he was really right on the on the eve of a tour, and I I, I thought about that too, man. And I I just kept thinking about that. Like, I thought about it too. Exactly and, that. And I was like, I, you know, because it doesn't. On the outside, it doesn't really make sense. It's like you've made this fantastic album. I, I get like depression and mm-hmm. I get suicidal depression, mm-hmm. but it just seems like on the outside, like, r- like logically, you'd go like, "Hey, why don't you at least see what this does? Because maybe this will uplevel your life on some level, or maybe this will like bring in a new wave of like good feeling," you know? Yeah, and and but at the same time, you know, and some of my other musicians I'm friends with immediately said the same thing, like, "Oh, yeah. it's that pre-tour, it's the pre-tour. Uh, it's a real freak out, you it's know. It's a freak out, and and you're gonna get through it once you know you're in the van. Yeah, you're with people that care about you, hopefully, and you you, hopefully. you can kind of get get through it, <laughs> yeah. or at least people that act like they do. Yeah, or, I mean, <laughs> th- it's in their best interest to care about you from at least until the end of the tour, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I felt really bad about that one because it, it, it just felt like if he could have just gotten in the van. Right. I don't know. Who's to say? I don't know the guy. But like, it, it, it might have felt better. Yeah. Yeah, he's another one that writes the really, you know, strong lines that... He had a beautiful... Yeah, his his writing is, is very, very beautiful and very, uh, you deep, know... Yeah, very deep and kind reaching. of stunning at times. You know, like where you go, ooh, ow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because well, we we, st- we stopped at kind of like you got in after after uh, the Paul Stanley um, inspiration, then hardcore. But then when did like the like when did the oh. writers come into you that sort of inspire? Yeah. Um, well, one thing I mean, like like I had hardcore and punk rock, but then like you know the the local stuff was interesting to me, like. Uh, the replacements were, you know, at least when I got into them were close, maybe close to a punk band, but Westerberg was always, you know, a a massive songwriter as well. So that was an early one. Um, and then after kind of hardcore and punk, 
um, you know, I started as things broadened um, songwriters. And I mean, even going back to like, I, I didn't really listen to Springsteen until I was in my 20s. You know, that yeah. wasn't like I got into Springsteen kind of late myself. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I knew Born to Run. I thought it was pretty cool. But then I heard those first two where he's just like, you know, greetings. Yeah. And it's just like he's just listing things. You know, it's like he's describing everything so amazing. And that really, you know, really hit me. Um, yeah. And then, you know, as I get older, um, and then I actually even like classic rock, I, because of punk rock, I'd pushed it off. And like my twenties, I was getting into like the stones, Springsteen, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin. It, you know, yeah. I, I didn't do that in my teens cause I thought it was not sort cool. of the establishment that, you know, I, I was fighting against in my mm-hmm. own mind. So I kind of brought that in and then, then you get into stuff like Dylan and, and Leonard Cohen and, you know, Dylan especially is one where you're just like you can kind of be a lifetime Dylan fan. Like yeah. there's, you know, like there's guys that know so much more about Dylan than me. And if you'd be like, Oh, have you heard this bootleg from Passaic, you know, in yeah. 1980? You're like, no, I haven't. And you're like, Oh wow. There's, you know, this era, this tour, this band, are reinterpreting these songs differently than, than the ones I know. And that's a whole depth thing too. And that's that, that kind of artist, Lou Reed, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, those, as I get older, I become more and more attractive because you're seeing a guy who did things or doing things their whole lives yeah. and how they're keeping it interesting yeah. rather than like just this one cool indie band that put out one record, then the next one kind of sucked and they broke up. Right. Like that's, you know, that's cool, but that's not as hard and um, not as interesting over a lifetime. Right. That's real true. Yeah. Yeah. The lyrics. I don't know. So, so at some point, it seems like you must have been like engaging in lyrics and thinking about lyrics being like well in the first vital yeah the first band i had the lifter polar band uh, in, in minneapolis we started to you know started to write you know i was writing the lyrics and people started to say like these are really good people people seem to like them and it's the kind of band where people would yell out the words you know every, yeah. every and then like the last record we did was kind of a kind of made a, like a concept record and you know, I kind of had fun of making this big cinematic thing yeah. about this, you know, these different characters and these party people, and um, there's kind of all around this nightclub called the Nice Nice, and there was a guy who owned the nightclub called Nightclub Dwight, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's this sort of in and outs, and it all took place in a sort of altered Minneapolis, um, and people really liked that, you know, and. Um, so then, then I was kind of, kind of encouraged. A lot of what, yeah. Oh, you uh, were. Yeah, I was kind of encouraged to kind of go do it. And then, but then, you know, I've always, though, that was the lyrics are always the thing about music that I've listened to. You know, like, yeah. like I was not like I, you know, I've always would even with my parents who didn't have a huge record collection, but they had like you know Paul Simon and um, Bob Seger and Billy Joel and things like that. And I would, you know, I'd play the records and I'd read along to the lyrics and mm-hmm. I, you know, kind of go somewhere with it. Yeah. It was kind of like going into your own movie or your own, like more some, because of the music somehow it more, more so than a book even, you know? Why? I think because in a song they don't spell out everything for you. Uh-huh. And you so know, imagination so, does the heavy lifting. Yeah. So you, you fill in all these details and kind of make it your own. Yeah. Um, where a novel or something, you know, really like describes, might describe the wallpaper, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, okay, so that's what that room looks like. But in the song, it can be look like exactly like your room. Right. Um, or, you know, however. Uh, and I think that that's kind of unique about songs. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, uh, did you ever meet Paul Westerberg? Yeah, I met him one time. Did he, he like your great. stuff? Did he, like he, he seemed to, yeah. He was really cool. Um, and the whole study actually played a couple shows with the replacements when they came back. Um, he, yeah, I mean, I can, don't get, I don't, I don't know that Paul was a, um, an obsessive listener, but he was certainly complimentary, and uh, that meant a lot to me. That's because, huge. Yeah, and can, I don't know. He's got a reputation. He's scary. He could, he could be scared. <laughs> I was scared. I would be scared. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you get in this thing, and we've, <laughs> you've gotten to meet a lot of people. I have too. You know, yeah. like people. You and then 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 there's the people like, you know, like do you want to meet Bob Dylan? Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have you met him? No, no, me well, neither. I, yeah, I mean, like, what would you say? <clears throat> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I met, we met. I met Jacob because Jacob did this podcast. Uh huh. I've met Jacob he's too. Super cool. He's great. You know, he's just a laid back dude. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. But you know, I mean, be be it Prince or Bob Dylan or um, any of these people, you're kind of like, I don't know what I. I was in a studio and I actually saw Paul McCartney and I said hello to him. Just I, I honestly thought I um, knew him because yeah. <laughs> he was <laughs> so famous. Like I came right. around the corner and I was like, oh, hey. Hey, what's up, Paul? <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden he, we shook hands and I right. said, I kind of I kinda yeah. said, I, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, I mean, what, anything I say next is is, is not, not intelligent, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we both got to meet Bruce because we did that tribute show at yeah. Carnegie Hall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I met Bruce and Bruce is a, but he's a very He's very good at it, you know yeah. what I mean? He, like I think he knows you're gonna be nervous and he kinda says, Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it okay for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's complimentary. I mean, I know a lot of people that have been complimented by Bruce. Mm hmm Yeah. Know? He's very he's which, which is nice. He seems very interested in new music and whatnot, you know. He seems to keep up with things. I don't know if it's I think it's because of him, but also through his kids and um I, uh, yeah, he's 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 the best. But that's the difference between him. You know, you do want to meet Springsteen. Yeah, like you don't want to meet Dylan necessarily, or you're scared. Right. Or like you know, no one, barely anyone, has like the amazing Dylan meeting Dylan story, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess he's into boxing. Yeah, Bob Dylan. Like right? He has a box. He's like a boxing gym somewhere where he hangs out in the office as the boxing manager i heard i've heard he that he boxes one too many times <laughs> oh it's i mean he has that hurricane song right yeah boxing is a very romantic sport in that you know i mean it's it man, mano a mano y mano right yeah. you know uh and so i think there's a lot of romance it's like bullfighting and boxing uh -huh. you know those are yeah. the two i got into it i've been boxing now for have you for a few years where yeah. do you do it i do it at trinity Where's that? Downtown. Okay. Yeah. Try, I'm supposed to do it today at five, but I don't think I can make it. How many, like, how long do you go? Do you go three rounds? Oh, I mean, when I spar? Yeah. Yeah, I can go three rounds. Yeah. That's, that's about it. I mean, like, people don't realize how, I mean, I could, you could run 10 miles and then spar for one round and be, like, exhausted. I, it, I used to watch some of it at school. Um, because I knew people who did it, and yeah. three rounds is like you couldn't. Most people couldn't keep their hands up after that. You exactly. Know? Like they kind of slip down, you know. Oh yeah, it gets hairy, and then like, uh, you know, and the and when you get winded in that sport, you know, you're gonna get hit in the face. Right. So yeah. it's like the stakes are really, really high. high. Like I remember when I like made the decision, like, okay, I have to quit smoking or stop doing this. Like, right. like, you know. Have you ever been to a boxing match, like a like a big boxing yeah. match? 
Yeah. I went one time over at Barclays uh-huh. a couple years back. I went back, to Barclays recently. And it was, it was a scene, man. It was awesome. Yeah. There was, this, <laughs> there was this guy, and I went with a friend who was kind of had a hookup. And uh, I remember the, seeing this guy come up, uh, and he was in front of us at the VIP check-in. And he had these white shoes, a white fur coat, and mm-hmm. a white stuffed, like, toy dog mm-hmm. with him stuffed dog and i was like this guy's a character and he goes up there and they don't have his seats like you know and i'm like this is just some kook who thinks he's a and uh and you know they're like sir can you step aside you know whatever and i'm like all right so we go in and we're sitting in our seats and then 10 minutes later it's the dude with the stuffed dog he yeah. comes in, he's in the front row he definitely you know? got in <laughs> he, definitely, <laughs> he definitely got in he they, they made a mistake and they made it right because I, yeah. but i was like who's the guy with the stuffed dog you know in the front it's yeah. a so it's it's a wild energy over there. It is, yeah. the The white coat is. I can understand the stuffed dog, not so much. The stuffed dog, I don't know, but don't it, <laughs> I felt like it was his thing. And yeah. I tried to look it up. Like, is there a guy, a boxing guy, who's known for a stuffed dog? But yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah. What do you think? Like, what do you think that weird energy is? I don't know. I mean, it's a weird. It's a sport, you know. Like, you're kind of. It's it, when people start getting hit, and you're close to it. You can hear it, and mm-hmm. you can feel it, and, and there's a little bit of bloodthirst, you know, mm-hmm. from the crowd, and um, I, uh, I, I, it was exciting. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, it was exciting. It was, yeah. it was I, I saw, is his name Wilder, Devontae? Yeah, Deontay Wilder. De- Deontay Wilder, yeah, I saw him fight a Polish guy, uh-huh. um, which is funny, because I live in Greenpoint, and there are a lot of Polish people over there, and I saw yeah. people from my neighborhood, like, uh, coming in with flags and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, and, and um, it was exciting. You know, and, the, and there's all the undercard, too, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. So um, you see a bunch. But it's, it's when you're up close and you see, understand how hard people are getting hit yeah. and how many times, it's really something. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, like, you know, just you, you can go down a rabbit hole of boxing as, as epic as music. I sure. mean, it's that. It's that detailed. Once you start learning about, they call it the sweet science, yeah. you know. And it's like it's like learning guitar or something like that. Well, I'm a I'm a baseball guy, and it's the same thing. You know, you're like you start to like if you're with your baseball friends, you start to pull out like you know the guy who played third base for one season on the Twins when you were nine years old, and you you know you're just saying names at each other, mm-hmm. like oh, but that's sort of like being into rock too, you know, like yeah. one hit wonders and whatnot, you know, yeah. like they're these little stats and these little you know, or or even that sort of Grateful Dead, like, you know, the last time they played the song was 1981, yeah. And you know, the last time, you know, a, a team got two triple plays in one game was 1981. Right. There's this sort of stats thing that kind of yeah. like is very sexy for some people. Sexy might not be the right word. It's definitely not the right <laughs> word. And for a guy that's so good at words, <laughs> well, it's it's attractive. Is probably the better word. <laughs> Sexy to some, I guess. Yeah. So are you are you into anything else like that? That's like side sideline for yeah. music, like any other passions. I like reading a lot. Um, I like. Um, I mean, I I, I run. I. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I've I've never done a marathon, but I've done a, a number of half marathons. I went on a run today. Oh yeah? yeah. Good for you. I went to the gym, but I my knees have been hurting a little bit lately, so I haven't uh-huh. been running. But um. You know, I like. Uh, I mean, those are. I, I do like sports as a as a participant uh, as a like spectator. Yeah. Um, and I like you know trying to keep in shape. Um, 
But other than that, it's kind of reading and writing, reading, writing, and playing. You know? Yeah. What about? Have you ever considered Broadway or anything like writing a musical? That seems like a. I've I've definitely next step. I've I've done you know some at least sketching on those kind of things, but yeah. it hasn't happened. You know? <clears throat> like filling out your like a, a particular album that already has a kind of concept, and then going, oh, I could just like fill in the spaces in between and create a whole narrative. I've been approached to do things like that, and I think ultimately what probably attracts me more is to create a new body of work that would right. work, you know? Um, especially being as prolific in writing as much as I do. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, I have to... I don't know, there's something about going back to 10-year-old songs that's like, why don't we just write some new songs and make them awesome? Right. You know? Like, yeah. like, like um, that's possible. You um, know? Like, yeah, I'm with you on that. You know? We're not dead yet, man. Right. And there's just so much, revi- you know, but people, and it, you know, yeah. But, but so that I think I'd rather create something new. But it's um, a lot of the things outside of rock and roll, and maybe you feel the same way, a lot of the things I go and see out that aren't rock and roll feel very polite to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like a lot of the times you'll see a concert and, and, and everyone will just be sort of like the cool thing about rock is it kind of like, you know, the guy hits the drums and it's suddenly loud and it's in your face and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, so, you know, when I've when I've gone to things, shows that that are musicals you know, I'd, I'd, at the challenge, I think, would be to do something that feels um, impolite in some way or something, you know. Mm. Um, or not overly polite is probably the right word, mm. you know, because it, it's there's there you know rock and roll in that atmosphere sometimes feels a little neutered or sterile. That's true, you know. So I think that's that's a challenge. That you know, how would you achieve that lyrically? I, maybe lyrically, maybe or maybe it's in the production. Sonically, you know? maybe it's in the production. Maybe it's you know, or maybe it's in the space. What do you think about the Bruce? Musical? Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it and I thought it was wonderful. You know, but that felt less like a musical than just a storyteller. Storyteller's thing. It was amazing. Did you see it? I did. Yeah. Uh, Did you like it? Loved it. Yeah, I cried twice. I think. Yeah, I think I cried too. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Uh, it it was really moving. Um, you know, the part at the end where he talks about the tree. You know, this house that's like, you know, was I think it was that used to be there. I can't remember now. But uh, the, the, the way he rolled it in with his family and all that, mm-hmm. uh, it's very moving. Um, and, you know, there's also this thing of like, you're looking at him, I think he turned 70 yesterday or the day before. Yeah. As a human specimen, you're like, man, he looks so good. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He hasn't lost it. No, he really looks healthy. You know, like, yeah. I kind of was like, wow, like, like look at that. Um but it was it was a really moving show, and it's cool, you know, to hear. You know, you lose sight of these things of like. I, and this sounds really simple or stupid, but you forget sometimes when these big, huge classic songs that they had to be written. Yeah. That like one day he had to say like, "I'm gonna write Born to Run." Right. And or I'm gonna write a song, and that ended up being Born to Run. And think what that song's done just culturally. But like there, there was a time when Born to Run didn't exist, and he sat down at a piano or a guitar or whatever it was and wrote it. Mm-hmm. And seeing him play those songs all stripped down kind of put me in touch with that in a cool way. It's true. It seems achievable when you see it like that. You kind of like want to go like, "Hey, this is not <laughs> this is not unattainable." Right. Right. 
when you see it in its most basic thing. And yeah. it's, it's not only been stripped of the instrument, instrumentation, but also of all the memories and all of the uh, yeah. all of the uh, things that go along with Born to Run, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. What do you think creates that drive within some of us to see that and go like, hey, I could do that? I don't know. Um, I mean, I feel like the, the one thing I always feel like is that you know, if I'm writing a song, it's it's like a song that I would want to hear, right? You know, mm-hmm. like like it's the things I like about this guy or the things I like about these kind of songs mixed with these things I like about these kind of songs. So you're kind of ultimately trying to please yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in some way it, it's just that. Um, but um, I don't know. There's 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 an in, inherent drive to share, you know? Um, like, like if I'm writing a song and I'm proud of it, I, I'm excited to play it for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know, just a pure ego attention thing or something more pure and honorable. I don't know. It's probably a mix. Yeah, I would say probably a mix. Yeah, it's, a health, it's healthy if it's a mix. Yeah. You know, we need egos to survive here. Sure. The egos, you know, always, you know, outcast as the villain. But, you know, definitely, you know, the car you're driving around in. Right, right. Know. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But you know, I, I hope there's, I hope there's something more uh, altruistic than just like look at me. But of course, maybe there is. Maybe you know. <laughs> well, there definitely has to be because it's not attract. You know, it's not attractive if it's hey, look at me. <laughs> if it's hey, look at me, it's not always entirely working. So you know, you'd right. be like, I might try something else. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I you know there is some sort of maybe it's a way of sharing something about yourself that I mean I think like great art, great whether it's a novel or a song or a painting or whatever, you you find something that you really relate to. You're like I felt that same way, mm-hmm. and so it's maybe about making those connections with people. Yeah, and sometimes you're written about as like, or maybe you've said <clears throat> that your songs aren't like they're more character based and not so personal but i think they seem very personal especially in the solo side of things yeah. you know the hold steady like a kind of write i'm mainly writing the lyrics to the riffs the other guys are bringing in they're so big i always want something big to happen you know someone has to fall off a roof get shot mm-hmm. you know um you know getting taken out by by you know the local gangsters or whatever but in the solo stuff it's even if it's not about me it's very much about people i know and and the kind of things mm-hmm. that i see or the, or the path your life might have taken. Yeah. It feels like to me. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a Gregory Dunn, John Gregory Dunn, Joan Didion's husband, I think his name's John Gregory Dunn. He said that the first character in every novel is the is the author. Uh-huh. And I think that's true. I mean, I think you can't come up with these people unless they're some, somewhat some related part of to you. you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, have you ever heard of the simulation theory? Mm, no. What that is we're it? living in a simulation, simulation. you know. Uh, many simulations is there like all yeah and uh, then there's like and then there's like an infinite number of simulations possible and mm-hmm. the fact that this could maybe be like our original time here is like one in billions of a chance right that right. we aren't in a simulation if you believe that with within you know within the timeline of humanity that they're one day be able to achieve creating simulations that are indistinguishable from reality or at least make the person within the simulation feel like it's reality yeah then then this is already a simulation most likely 
This is I mean, trippy. I, I don't really believe. Yeah, it is trippy. It's fun to think about shit like that. I find it fun. Yeah, and I, you know, uh, like I don't, I don't necessarily believe it or know. Or, it should um, be a concept album. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it could simulation. be a lot of, could be a lot of concept well, albums. There, there's already a million <laughs> of them, apparently. Yeah, you know, because it exists. But yeah, like it could be like alternate realities that you're writing about, alternate versions of yourself. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, they're definitely like you know, and especially in these last three records, definitely people that that exist in my world in one way or the other you know yeah that's interesting i yeah i like that writing about characters and people that struggle and stuff like that something about like the romance in it or there's just something about that part of humanity well we're all i guess we're all surviving right you know what i mean yeah. like you know we're all trying to do more than survive we're trying to achieve we're trying to you know but but ultimately you know our survival instinct is strong um as mm. humans um it is. and so like all these people i'm writing about are survivors on some level and some are some are going it's going better than others you know but yeah. but they are they are all survivors like we all are yeah how much has music helped you heal both in writing it and also receiving it and then how much do you think music helps heal others i think it's huge i mean i think back to my um you know my own journey <laughs> experiences uh, i was in junior high and i was like you know i didn't play sports really well i was i was not that cool you know i was, I was pretty alienated um and and things were maybe going you know poorly and probably would have gone worse and i remember um, hearing, uh, getting the replacements album, let it be, came out the fall mm -hmm. of my eighth grade year mm -hmm. and hearing like, you know, 16 blue and unsatisfied those songs, knowing that guy was in my town of Minneapolis and thinking like, there's, 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 you know, cause I, I really just knew the suburb I was growing up in. Like, like there's, there's something much bigger out there and there's other people feeling the same way. And I, I remember that being a very, um, emotional and direct feeling. Mm -hmm. um, when music really helped me and I think it's helped I think then it began it, it allowed me to and it, it allowed me at that point to realize that it's a bigger world out there it's also throughout my life allowed me to connect to other people and um, even as a fan you know even as high school you know when things when I found my group of friends then you know you go to the concert and you, you all like this thing and suddenly mm -hmm. you kind of got a, a community a th yeah a community and um and then, you know, uh, as a songwriter, I hear all the time when we play, um, both in the Hold Steady and, and then with this work, um, how people have been, you know, really moved and, and changed. And, uh, you know, there's a, the Hold Steady has a song called Stay Positive. And um, I, I heard last year, um, I was up in Washington State, and I heard from a guy who had, um, uh, was over in Afghanistan and, and, and you know, came under um, heavy fire, and he was telling me that he kept singing that song to himself and uh, wow. and got through it. And so those are like you know hugely moving things to just hear. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know beautiful, obviously, but uh, and 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 scary, but uh, it obviously connects. You know, make I think that there's this other level of communication that music provides that we can tap into somehow that maybe it'll always be a mystery but it's very important yeah what part of you think do you think is trying to communicate on those other levels is it like a spiritual thing yeah to you? it's or, spiritual yeah, it's spirit there's a lot of that in your stuff too like what like 
praying and this and yeah. that kind of thing. Well, I was raised Catholic, so I think about that stuff yeah, a lot. There's a cross on your solo. Yeah, cover. yeah. Um, I was raised Catholic, so that you know, there, there's always a place in that in my world and in in music in my music. I think it's spiritual, but it's also you know I think there's this like incantation thing that happens too, like you know a chorus mm-hmm. of a song, you know, like like you know. Um, uh whatever song you know um you're hearing and you hear the chorus and it's uh um uh let's see i'm trying to think uh there's one on the tip of my tongue um but only love can break your heart you know neil young you know so you listen to that song and he says it a bunch right and it's got a good melody but only love can break and you that sticks in your head that day mm-hmm. and you kind of keep repeating it and it's almost like an incantation it's a prayer in itself what is an incantation an incantation's like a uh, well i think it would be like uh at least if, if i'm using the word right it's like a it's it's kind of a prayer yeah but also like i think it would be like um sort of mantra yeah know? but uh, you know how like like i have a dream like he kind of keeps coming back to i have a dream mm-hmm. it's almost like a, i think a variation on a theme that's how i'm using it i'm yeah. I believe that's that's correct, but it's a it's a it's a prayer, a mantra kind of um, yeah. you know something like that. And you might you might go off it and come back to it. Yeah. And I think that those that sort of repetition and melody can reinforce some of the messages in a way that you know writing them down, or reading them off a page, or um, you know, or uh, getting told by a teacher or a professor isn't going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, <clears throat> like. I don't know if you practice any mantras or anything, but like, yeah, like the sounds and words are very powerful. Yeah. 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 I I mean, there's also like this and you know, I, 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 there's some real romance and beauty into, um, and again, this, I don't want to sound like grandpa Finn, but, um, prior to the internet, like, like, you know how, like, like, like when you met, you meet people and you're like, like you meet people and you all know this music already, you know, like you can say like born to run or Neil Young after the gold rush or something like that. And you all know it because like you were all sitting around with the lights off, getting stoned, wherever it is you were from, wherever you were 16, Mm -hmm. you got, you're all, we were all doing that somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. or most, you know, so there's a real beauty in that. I mean, people are still doing that, but I, but it felt like, um, almost like uh, more mysterious in some way to me before before we could do it just you know off a computer but still um, there are these kind of shared cultural things that um, that are part of being a, a music fan or a rock and roll fan that, that are that are romantic um, to me in that sense yeah well, on a side note, I think Grandpa Finn would be an excellent like nickname for you, <laughs> like like the Hetfield Papa Hetfield. Papa Hat, Grand, Grandpa, Grandpa Finn, Finn, Grandpa Finn, one one end. Grandpa Finn, yeah, Grandpa <laughs> Finn. <laughs> Finn signing off, y'all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that works. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's I, on the same level. <laughs> I I don't have any kids, so I, that's probably the only grandpa I'm ever going to get to be. But you think yeah. so? Most likely. I mean, you need you, to have the first kid before you, have, you get like, the grandparent. Are, are you in a relationship? Or? Yeah, I've been with the same woman for like 12 years. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, and uh, we are we are uh, legally domestic partners, um, but uh, uh, no kids. Any interesting kids? Or? I like other people's kids best. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I've got some nieces and nephews that I like. Yeah. A lot. Right. Do you have kids? No. No, not yet. Yeah. Are you gonna? I don't know. It's getting late. Well, it's get it's it's more about the other person than you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, never say never. I don't know. I mean, I've, I the only reason I say that is I know a lot of people that have kind of like had a late in life. Yeah. Change. Yeah, I would like to get my life to a place that would facilitate it better. You know, I still feel like I'm like really striving to, you know, get a comfortable lifestyle that's mm-hmm. like stress-free. I mean, I know that's like a lot of people are struggling for that, you know. Yeah, it's or I mean, being an artist is 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 tough and then being an artist in New York City is <clears throat> is definitely a tough place to think about kids, but Exactly. People do it people do it yeah people do do it so do you do you pray at all or do you have any kind of like religious or spiritual aspect to your existence i i I go to mass um i don't know that i'm what i believe is really catholicism per se i don't think the pope would be that into like my Mm -hmm. actually this pope would be more into it than the prior popes but seems pretty liberal (laughs) yeah but uh I, I, I like the rituals of mass. Like I can go in there and I don't really pay attention. I just kind of shut down. It's mm-hmm. like a quiet place for me to go. Yeah. And uh, and I, I feel connected. You know, I grew up in a Catholic family, so I kind of think about my grandparents and my parents and all that. And um, and I, I do pray, um, you know, not down on my knee by my bed, but, you know, sometimes in quiet moments. Um, my girlfriend meditates. Um, I've always kind of I've – tried, I've tried my hand at that a little, but I never – I'm just—it's never quite taken. Although I believe that I'm—I'm—I I'm, do not need to be at all convinced of its benefits. Yeah. I just wish I could stick with it a little more. It's um, not easy. Yeah. I, there's this, this general feeling you're not doing it right. You right. know, like <laughs> that's the fear. Yeah. Am I, am I not? Am I doing this right? But I—I I know people in my life, people close to me, that it's made huge changes to. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm kind of like the old school that you know, going to mass and zoning out and um you know that that that's attracted me and to be honest for a long time i i was looking for this perfect church that i could that would line up with what i think and what how i want it to be and then i was like it doesn't need to be perfect and be perfect up here yeah um especially living in brooklyn like like there's one church i found that i liked it was in manhattan and then i'd go to the subway and it'd be closed for the weekend you know and i couldn't it's hard to get there and i was like just gonna start going to the closest place mm-hmm. and making it good in my mind. Right. Um, so I don't. I don't go every weekend or anything like that, but I do go when I can. That's cool. Yeah, that energy of devotion is nice energy. I find. Yeah, and there's, there, you know, it's it's the one kind of place you can be in, and it's not like it's not hipster. <laughs> it's just not. It's just like a, de- a cross section of people, mm-hmm. and all kind of focused on this thing. And every once in a while, they say something that connects and every once in a while they say something that totally offends me so Mm -hmm. you know it's a grab bag but um it's still nice it's still nice take what you like and leave the rest and also i see you know with a rock and roll lifestyle of sorts if you if i'm in the church at 9 30 on a sunday morning that means like i'm living a pretty good things are going pretty good that's true does your girlfriend do yoga as well she has done yoga. She does do some yoga. Yeah, yoga's yoga's awesome. Yeah, I've I, that I've tried yoga. That's that's um, I really think that's another thing I should because like as I'm getting older, my fle- I like I like running and I like going to the gym, but like my flexibility is becoming an issue. Yeah. You know? Well, they say you're only as old as the shape of your spine or the health of your spine. Okay. 
At least that's what do you, I've you do. Yoga? I do. I started doing it a lot. How often? Like I was going every day. Mm-hmm. Like since the tour, the tour anxiety started. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been going a little bit less because it just feels like there's more, you know, things to do. Yeah, I'm a little bit off balance, so I'm trying to get, you know, more on balance before this tour starts. So the other, I the other, go every day. But. The other thing that I do that is maybe sort of meditative is um two years ago i adopted a dog Mm -hmm. and just the walks like walking around slowly because it's a little dog it can it goes Uh really slow and just like not cruising all the time yeah to just be like walking really slow around you know a couple blocks for 20 minutes a few times a day is in it you know i try not to take my phone and you know it's just sort of this space in the day and I almost divide my day up like I'll get up I'll walk her and then I'll do my like writing and creative stuff and then I'll walk her around lunchtime and then I'll do my kind of administrative stuff answer emails whatnot Uh and then I'll walk her around dinner time and then it's like and then what then maybe you know try to think about if I'm gonna make some food wait for Angie she's a nurse Uh Um, come home you know kind of transition into nighttime and put the day behind yeah and so there's these kind of walks that that bookend the day that's nice yeah and i think that's that's been really nice what's your dog's name rosalita like the springsteen (laughs) song right i actually read that (laughs) i've heard that yeah yeah Yeah, because you sang rosalita with boss with With the the boss yeah Yeah. so i yeah and he he told you to take a verse yeah yeah and it was i remember i watched that that was cool it was awesome that was a lot of fun uh that was a big night um funny we had that was cool because, like, that night we're talking about being at Carnegie Hall with Bruce mm-hmm. and the Bruce Springsteen tribute we all did. We had we did Atlantic City, but we had actually talked about doing Rosalita. Mm-hmm. So I had learned it really well. That's so awesome. So I came in, so and then finally they're like, like, we're going to do Atlantic City. Like, fine. But then when he's like, does anyone know Rosalita? I was like, I've been, like, <laughs> working on this for two weeks. <laughs> so you, you know, because it's a hard song to, yeah. like, remember. But, I, but yeah. they had lyrics, but I didn't need them. I was like, you yeah. know, like. Uh, but yeah, so I, I yeah, you my, crushed. I remember that very well. My dog, uh, my something yeah, my dog. Uh, um, I named her Rosalita, uh, and it, this has been a, it's been a really cool thing. It's, I never had a dog growing up. It's actually a very nice, like really nice thing. And I will say that the uh, like Polish ladies around my neighborhood treat me way differently than they used to. Oh really? Yeah. They trust you more. Way more trust. Way more trust. Way more acceptance of, as you know, Angie and I walk around together with it. Um, Because without, I'm guessing with a child, they'd give you more acceptance too. But just being level up, even yeah, another level up. I think (laughs) I would, I would hope. I mean, it's more of a commitment. Let's be honest. It shows you're responsible. But it shows, and also shows maybe we're not going to be gone tomorrow. You know what I mean? Or it shows we're 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 a unit. You know, or something. I don't know. Really. I was surprised how much it changed my relationship with my neighbors. Really? I didn't know them. You know, I lived, I've lived in the same apartment for like 10 years. That's amazing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, what's your name? And, and it's also like an inroad for them to be able to talk to you because they can first talk to Rosalita. Yeah. And yeah. like, hey, and then all of a sudden you're there. Yeah, and it's funny It's funny <laughs> that like at first it was like, wow, this this is totally opening up my neighborhood. And now it's a little bit like sometimes it's like, Oh, we can't walk down that street because that crazy person's there and they're going to talk to us. Right. And, you know, so that's actually opened up some, like, you know, pitfalls too. So it was a, a rescue, huh? Or did yeah, you, a rescue, yeah. 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 
What uh, kind of dog? It's like a terrier, but maybe a a mix. Like it's, I think it's a car. Did you say Carn Terrier, Cairn Terrier? It's like, which is what Toto is in Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. But with a mix, something with a big uh, underbite, like a Lhasa Apsa or a Shih Tzu or something. Yeah. Like big underbite, but small, small dog. It's nice. So, it, um, veering a little bit, like. In, in terms of like when you when you got a lot of success in the music business, did you have any downsides to that in terms of like uh, old relationships or like any kind of envy or any kind of weird darkness that came there, from it? Yeah, um, there was definitely. Um, the, it wasn't so much like envy and. Um, that kind of thing, like, like bad relationships that came Mm -hmm. up from it so much is that, um, you know, I had a really hard time when we, when we kind of crossed the line into, um, well, a couple of things. One being, being, you know, being recognized and being, you know, famous, you know, it doesn't feel famous, but it's still, you know, enough, enough, enough so like someone can approach you while you're eating and, Mm -hmm. Like, there are times when I've, like, you know, kind of been like, look, this is definitely not the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the time, and you know, I'm coming out of my show, and I, I'm expecting it. Like, that's right. wonderful. You definitely, let's let's do this. Like, like let's hang out. But, like... People coming up to I, you in restaurants and I mean, stuff eating like with my dad. Like, that's mm-hmm. just kind of read, read it a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think the more thing that... And that was hard for me. Um, um, but... I got you, know, you generally get used to it and you get better at being polite. Um, the, the harder thing for me was like when we got the tour bus and you get on the bus and I, I you know, with all this, all the talk that, which is good that we talk a lot about mental health and musicians now, I find the tour bus to be maybe a, a bad thing. Like I, it's a necessary evil, but um, I really, could kind of get in there and get dark you know mm-hmm. like you don't see as much sun yeah, you get uh, into a little coffin thing yeah to it's go a to sleep. submarine basically yeah. and you don't see how you get I, I find it like maybe spiritually bad to be like well we were in uh cleveland last night and now we're in chicago and i don't know how i got here right i mean i guess i went to bed right and i woke up and now i'm like downtown chicago um, and, and there's this like, it's oh, jarring, it's jarring. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you can sleep a lot, you know, if you get into the wrong, like, you know, sort of depression, you can like go to bed for 14 hours and that thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had a hard time, like for a few years because of that, like, you know, I, I guess it was a mild depression, but also mainly when I was on tour, you know, but mm-hmm. just sort of like, like, you know, waking up at sound check that kind of thing, like like just being a little unhealthy in my mind. Um, so I I, I kind of do at this point prefer a van tour. Oh really? Um, yeah, because you see the sun and you um you see how you get to places and um I still done the the bus tours, but I I have to be careful. Like I have to set an alarm. Yeah. I have to like go to bed. You know, like like you know like watch it a little bit or things start to slip away. Yeah. Well, it's like a van tour, then you're getting rooms and stuff like that. So it's just like, I don't know, there is something about that that's healthy. Yeah, and maybe like you might have like two hours in the morning in, in a van tour where you can, you know, maybe you get go to the gym. At least maybe you 
return some emails or you maybe just go for a walk and spend some time alone you know yeah um i mean the, the, there's there's benefits to both and the bus isn't all evil but i found myself that i had to watch it yeah what do, do you do anything specifically on the road to keep your sanity um definitely a little alone time every day like um and especially like um in the like if i'm on the bus like the big thing is just to get up and walk mm-hmm. like walk for a half an hour straight and then just say like is there any coffee around here you know right. um but like walk until i kind of walk off the sleepiness and then um i think exploring a little bit is helpful for me knowing where i'm at right like you know i like understanding where i'm at i, th- I think that 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 grounds me in some way yeah you know, if I can walk around the walk around the neighborhood and be like, "All right, well, I think there's a there's a supermarket over there. If you needed it, um, looks like there's some coffee over here." And I sort of understand at least these three blocks around here. Yeah, that's helpful to me rather than like just to go right in the club and um, I don't know a don't blur know. of backstages. D- does that make sense to you, or do uh, you totally do you do you, have you ever had that? Like, do you have that like where do you have to like watch for things on tour? Yeah, I mean, for me it's like it's just an exercise in keeping my state of mind mm-hmm. good. Like that's kind of what touring has become right. and even just life actually. Yeah. Just like that's where yoga and running and all that mm-hmm. comes in because if I don't constantly work towards that I, I my gravity is is uh, you know earth-shattering depression <laughs> yeah. and panic and anxiety and just yeah I mean just if I let myself go it goes like you know pear-shaped very quickly I think it's like a boulder it's you're either pushing it up the hill or it's rolling it down rolling back you're either you know? busy being born or you're busy dying yeah yeah so it's, it's that like yeah. and and it's like I guess as the years have gone on it's obviously more that than ever before and and i guess just yeah and just working and having long periods where i'm really doing well in terms of keeping my state positive and like you know and Mm -hmm. not being able to kind of lean on other things you know like be it drugs and alcohol or even just like success yeah you know like having periods of real stark reality which have benefited me greatly because they've got me into things like i i decided to get busy being born yeah yeah so you know <clears throat> so then i'm acutely aware when i'm not doing that right now. right right and so. yeah i think it's good i mean i feel i really feel like over the past few years we've all sort of really opened up about mental health stuff yeah and i think that's good like i have these conversations fairly regularly and and it's good because look our people are still um you know whether it's david berman or my friend scott hutchison from frightened rabbit last year passed away sorry and it's the musicians are still dying you know and 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 we're all talking about it but it's uh there's still you know there's still ways to go and i feel like still uh, I, I'm happy that that almost everyone I know is is open about it and and, and yeah. working on it, you know. Yeah. Um, but but I guess it'll always be, I think, probably from an artistic temperament, a struggle. Yeah, definitely. That this 
this profession pulls in some, uh, you know, touched individuals, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. You know, and and it's so uh, insecure these times, and and just it's a tough it's a tough way to make a living, you know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, so. It's also yeah, and the the times the political times are tough, and I and think that, that people can get down. Yeah. Yeah, and the and yeah, the media is amping up panic and mm-hmm. division, you know, and that's just happening too. So, I don't know. It seems like people are in a you know we're kind of encouraged to be in a constant state of despair and panic. Yeah, yeah. And if you're not, then there's something wrong with you. I I have this thing that uh, once a year I go skiing with my father. And, um, you know, I think like it's, you get up on the hill and you're going down the hill and you're trying not to crash into a tree. And that's what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I, I don't want to crash into a tree and hurt myself. And it's amazingly, it's, I think maybe like its own form of meditation, Absolutely. but it's also like a day on the mountain. I'm like, God, I didn't look at my phone. Yeah. I didn't see any political news. I just felt like I didn't crash into a tree. Right. And I somehow sometimes I think the rest of the year I need to get to that one week, <laughs> you know, like just thinking about not crashing into the tree and, and doing my yeah. thing. Well, being in the moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, the stage and music helps you be in the moment as well because when you're on stage, I mean, yeah, you can think about what you had for lunch or what you're going to have for lunch or whatever, but you know, not if you're not if you're really in it. You're going to be in the moment. If the second you start thinking about lunch is when things start to, you know, all of a sudden you're missing the bridge. Yeah. You know, like like you you, right. you should you, you're pushing to be in the moment even if you aren't. Yeah. Do you know what metacognition is? No. It's uh the it's like the ability that humans have to like witness their own thoughts, like witness right. your own. So it's like you're not your thoughts because you can also observe your thoughts sure sure so it's becoming the observer it's like a practice of like Mm -hmm. and that's kind of meditation too it's like so if you're like thinking about lunch on stage you can be like who's who's thinking about lunch and then you can be like who's think who's asking who who's thinking about lunch? <laughs> right right <laughs> you know? yeah like you constantly like up level your perception of the thing the and russian dolls kind of come out and you say to the next one like stop thinking about that yeah it's good. I mean, it's like if, if you like observe yourself, it kind of takes you out of yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is, uh, yeah, I guess also like what songwriting is to some degree. Yeah, I think so. A you little know? bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's next for you? Are you getting ready to go on tour? I'm going or? to Europe uh, in a couple of weeks with the Uptown Controllers, my solo band. And then we, we go back. We come back. We go right to the West Coast. Well, we go to Texas. Go from uh, Austin. I think it starts November 1st up to Seattle. You Where know? are you playing in Austin? Um, I think it's that Cactus Cafe. Cactus you know? Cafe, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we do um, up the West Coast. And then that ends the year for that side of things. And we do these four brooklyn bowl shows with the hold steady and uh that's the year where so, are you playing in europe mainly uk um like london london manchester london? we are playing oslo which is over in hackney oh, okay. uh, it's like a club there glasgow dublin leeds bristol i'm sure nottingham probably where in glasgow at king tut's i love king tut's i've never played there it's my are first you time yeah Dude, it's killer. Yeah, I'm excited it's a for that. Great, one. It's I love a Glasgow. great room, dude. 
I love Glasgow. So yeah, I I do too. Where uh, I requested our day off be there. So that's a good call. Um, and then we go to we do we finish up on the main line. We do Amsterdam, Antwerp, Hamburg, Berlin. You're playing the Paradise. Paradiso, right? Paradiso, yeah, Paradiso right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And then I've never been to Antwerp before. Um, and then uh, Hamburg, I've, I have in Berlin. So it should be a really fun tour. Um, it's the first time. In a long time, I've been able to bring a band over for the solo thing. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And it's a robust band. It's got a sax. It's got a piano. It's a nice, really cool, lush sound. You know, big sound. Did you, did you used to tour it on your own? I've done some solo tours. Yeah, solo solo tours. You know, in fact, I went out with Brian Fallon and did um, a bunch last February over in Europe, and that was just mm. him and an acoustic and me and an acoustic. You know. That's um, cool. He's a cool dude. He's a great dude. Yeah. Uh, really great. We had a lot of fun. We did it in the States, too. And uh, it, he's a great guy. And, and those shows were a lot of fun. And, and that's that's the thing. You know, that's a scary thing, too. Like, getting up with it, just an acoustic guitar. Like, yeah. oh, boy. Like, this, you know. Cause that's it, how I'm, go- I'm going on a... That's what your tour is? Yeah, I'm co-headlining tour with Jesse Mallon. Oh, right on. And, uh, yeah, we're going to... I'm going to be by myself. Where? Where? Where are we doing it? Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of all over the States. States. You know, we're playing. In October? Yeah, October, and then through November. Wow. I got a couple months of touring ahead of me. Is his? Is he bringing the band? He's or? bringing a big band. Okay, he's bringing the big band. They just yeah. played with us up in Boston the other day. They're yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah. That's so, cool. That's great. Yeah. That, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, I'm going to use my loopers, and I got these new Fender Acoustic Sonics. I don't He's know. like this new Fender guitar that's also an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar. Okay, cool. But it, they made it work. Like a lot of times, those things can be ropey. Right, right. This one is killer. Cool. Yeah, and so I got a couple of those, so I'm kind of excited about it. That's a, that's fun. I mean, when it works and people are like, in you know, the acoustic thing is really rewarding when it works. Yeah. Them, just the sometimes like especially think I think because I was in the hold I've been in, I am in the hold steady, we like I've never had to deal with banter, <laughs> you know or I um, mean like yeah. like you know chatter. Um, How are you with that? It 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 can be distracting, but you know I mean you you try to you know I there's little tricks you play quieter sometimes and people mm-hmm. start listening more or you know or sometimes oh, yeah. you just have to say like the people who want to hear me can hear me and the people in the back you know aren't necessarily here for this and yeah you you just have to trust the people who want to hear you are having a good time yeah i like it like when if there is a chatty room i get sometimes i go absurdly quiet and absurdly vulnerable right. i try to make i try to accentuate the absurdity yeah that's you know that's my <laughs> that's my go-to just make it totally nuts <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i mean and i find joy in that i like actually like it do you call people out sometimes it depends like i'm i'm i've you know because i've toured so much by myself and done that so much i'm pretty good at um at dealing with it right you know and uh I don't. I don't call it out right away. It'd have to get pretty crazy. Sure. And it'd have to be just kind of one per one person. You right. Know, if one, yeah, if one person starts like that's like a heckler, basically. Right. I'll be like, well, wait, wait, wait you want? What do you want to talk about? Like, right. Like, just okay. Let's listen to you. Yeah, it sounds like you want to be heard right now. So right. let's give you that and see if I can address any issues you might have. Yeah. Do you like the UK? 
I love like the London UK. And stuff I love like the that. UK. I love going to the UK. The whole study's done really well over there and had a really good fan base and a lot of fun times over there. I've made a lot of friends. So yeah. um, we've we've done less of mainland Europe just um, just because it's gone it's gone better in the UK. So I, I'm always excited to be over there. What about France? Do you We've played in France, but it, it you know it's never really taken off there. So yeah. I like to go there on yeah. vacation, yeah. Uh, but but I, it's never really happened um, as a uh, you know I certainly go back in a, in a heartbeat, but uh, um, it's not a you know it's not a it's not currently a strong a strong place for me. Yeah, I that was where my career took off the most. Really? Yeah, that's good. But I I need to. I need to sort of rebuild and get over to Europe again mm -hmm. more because in, in the UK, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like the mission I'm on right now. Yeah. Yeah, the UK can be. I mean, they're really good fans. And yeah. I know there are everywhere, but that, that's the ones I've experienced for sure. Yeah. What about you, Ehud? You got any questions? Uh, I had a question before um, about your writing because the your solo stuff in the whole study, it's still you. Mm-hmm. And the writing process in the band you mentioned was they bring in riffs and then you write the lyrics. How is it in the solo stuff? And do you ever write a song for the solo and you say, oh, let's put this off for the hold steady or vice versa? Not really, um, because the, the sort of scope of it sort of makes itself um, obvious quickly, like the hold steady and the big riffs. I sort of have these big stories. The solo stuff I, real, I tend to write just with very simple chords, you know, um, you know g and c and and and, and write kind of like leave space and i'm kind of almost more telling the story and kind of like just sketching out these very structured you know like like very um rough sketches of the songs um you know they're not super intricate riffs or lines and then you know the way it's worked for the last three records i brought those songs to josh kaufman the producer and we've kind of talked about what we're hearing you know and, and with him and i what one thing i really like about working with him is we can talk a lot about songs without turning on amps or making noise we can say like yeah you know i think in the third verse i hear some bells up here it's like oh yeah cool yeah bells and uh and it's some it's less fatiguing than you know like like uh, uh, yeah do you like that uh, you know like like um so there's sort of like a, a big picture plan a lot of the times but it, it, it starts it's mainly the words and the stories with some kind of rough chords and um you know i'm i'm, I'm a fine guitar player but i'm not like an, an incredible guitar player and josh has helped me a lot the other thing he'll help me sometimes is like it's cool but let's reharmonize it a little bit like you can still sing that vocal melody but maybe the chord will go let's try to do a different chord um here and i bet you it'll it'll feel a little emotionally different even if you're singing the same vocal melody. And that's that's something, working with him, now I'm kind of better at doing it myself, but that's something he's, he's helped me with a lot. How'd you meet him? You know, um, I met him, uh, Josh, uh, I met at a, uh, um, Tad and I got invited to do this thing at Bob Weir's studio. And they were doing like, it was Jerry Garcia's birthday and they're doing Grateful Dead songs. And it was a weird, I thought it was a little weird that we got asked to do it, but I was I was a fan enough. I wanted to do it, and it sounded fun. New people and all that. We went and did it, and it was a really nice time. Um, and Josh was one of the main players in that. He um, produced a record for Bob Weir, and um, 
had done stuff. But he lived in Brooklyn, and I'd seen him around. And then uh, I was over. I did a tour with Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers and Will Johnson, a friend of mine, over in Europe. And we were like a three-man kind of acoustic thing. And we were in Holland, and I walked into the club, and Josh was there, and he was uh, um, with another one. He was with an artist, a woman named Hannah Cohen. And we got to talking, and then he came to see the show that night, and I was playing uh, some new songs. And he was like, you know, if you need anyone to help you with those songs, those are good songs. I could I could help you with those. And mm-hmm. I looked him up when I got back in the States. We had coffee and started recording. And honestly, feels like we haven't stopped recording. I mean, we made three records in five years, so... It's kind of like, you know, we were recording this, the next one before this first one came out, you mm-hmm. know, like we just kind of, we'll go together and we'll record like five songs at a time. Not, not, we won't do like, we're gonna make this huge album. It's like, we just go up, we go up to Woodstock to a friend's house and. Where know, at? Uh, it's Woodstock. It's a place called the Isacon. Oh, okay. And it's a guy named Dan Goodwin. And it's, uh, he has like cool gear in his house. It's, you know, no right. isolation. No. And, um. We just do it like that, and it's great. It's like all it needs to be, you know. Yeah. It's not not like we're going in the studio. We've got twenty three songs. It's more like let's we got five songs. Let's record them. Yeah. And then do do you record more than what you release, or do you re- release everything? Usually we do like three sessions, which is let's say fourteen, fifteen songs. Then we we'll release ten, and usually have some B sides and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So. That's cool. So are you, you called it a what a, a trifecta, but <laughs> a no, trilogy, a trilogy, right? Trifectas in painting, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a trilogy in in a sense, you know, in that it's thematically and feels the same. Um, it wasn't like I set out to write a trilogy. It just sort of felt like that after three records were done. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I do think that there's probably like figure out the next one should feel or look slightly different you know so is this the end of your work with him for now or, or i don't know because or, he's actually been producing the whole steady so oh, okay uh he's kind of brought been brought over to that uh by me so uh, certainly not the end of my work with him in the big picture but i'm not sure but your next solo thing might yeah, be different who knows yeah it, i don't that hasn't come into vision yet because I've just been so busy with yeah. I mean, this year that I haven't put out two two fucking <laughs> sick records. So, yeah, so you, know, you can ch- you can chill for a second. There's a little there's a little bit of chill yeah, coming up. You in deserve like it. January, hopefully December, January. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you for doing. Thank this. you. This, this is, is a pleasure, man. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah, really great, fun. Great talking to you. Yeah, it's great. And. It's really great. Uh, yeah, man, congratulations on the work, man. It's real inspiring. Thank you, and good luck on tour, and good luck with the Thanks. tour anxiety. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think you get with through it. with it, but... Um, it I, actually I helped you. just talking to you about it. It's not... Honestly. It's like a lot of things. It's like the whole mental health thing is always about knowing everyone else is dealing, dealing with it, too. Exactly. And less alone. And validating, like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. It's like, because then you start feeling like you're crazy or like, what, yeah. what's up? Why am I crazy? I thought I was better than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a, re- yeah. But that's the whole thing. Saying things out loud is helpful. It really is. So thank you for my therapy. And, <laughs> thank uh, you for having me, man. Yeah, man. And uh, what, what, give your like social media things if you oh, want. Oh, uh, yeah. On Twitter, I'm Steady Craig. Uh, on Instagram, I'm Steady Craig. And then, uh, facebook it's craig finn uh and my band's craig finn and the uptown controllers and we'll be in europe uh, in october and west coast in november so check it out all right thanks craig Thank papa craig or yeah. grandpa, 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 grandpa finn, finn. Grandpa finn. Grandpa finn. <laughs> one end grandpa finn <laughs>
Awesome, man. That was nice. really great. Yeah, that was really awesome. Good. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.